if you will. Turn in your Bibles to the 33rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah as we continue our study through the Word. So you'll remember that Jeremiah had told Zedekiah, King Zedekiah, that the Babylonians were going to take them into captivity and that he himself would see the the king of Babylon eye to eye. He was going to be brought into his presence. And you'll remember that the king didn't like that. And so Jeremiah was thrown into prison. And so there he was languishing in prison. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and told him that his uncle is going to come and, uh, and offer to sell him land that was outside of the walls and that he was to go ahead and to purchase that land. And, and so there was a land transaction that went on there while the city is besieged, while the Babylonians are laying waste to the land outside of the city and Jeremiah didn't understand it but he obeyed and and you remember that the the Lord told him that the reason that he was purchasing that land was because they were going to be restored into the land you remember that the title deeds uh, that were signed were to be put into earthenware, into pots that would keep them safe for a very long time. And, and though they were going to be taken into captivity, they would be brought back into the, the land once again. And, and so as we come now to this 33rd chapter, Jeremiah is still in prison. He is still being held by uh, Zedekiah. And we are going to see that once again, the, the Lord is going to minister to the heart of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord, but he doesn't have complete understanding of what the Lord is doing. And so he, he, he has pieces and parts. And, and so the Lord is going to minister to that. Do you ever feel like God is revealing himself in pieces and parts to you that, that you get a, a moment of clarity, but then, you know, where is my life going? God, what is your, your will for my life? And, and following the Lord. And, and so here we're going to see that, that Jeremiah is going to be ministered to. He, he is in prison. So here again, he has just been faithful. That's all he's guilty of. He's just He's done exactly what God wants him to do. And, and as he walks out his faith, we see that there is persecution and there is the reviling against him that he always has bad news. It's as if Jeremiah can control the message that he has from God. It's like, why are you always giving me bad news? And it's a wonder to me, Jeremiah doesn't say, well, take it up with him. You know, your, your issue isn't with me. I'm just the messenger. You hear that, you know, that saying, don't kill the messenger. You know, it's just, this is, this is the message. I'm not the one that's sending the message. I'm just the one bringing you the message. And so we're going to see that Jeremiah is in, is in prison and, and it was an uncomfortable pit and it was disgusting and wet and, and he is travailing there, you know, in this suffering, in this, but he is in the will of God. But what is troubling him is the is the the what's and the why's and the questions that he has and God is going to tell him bring your what's and your why's to me call to me ask me 
and I will show you things that you do not know. And so we see the way in which God invites you to bring your questions. God's not afraid of your question. Did you know that? God's not afraid of your, of your question. When you don't understand what's going on, when you don't understand your life, when you don't understand how the word of God is, is, is working in this part of your life or, or where God is true in these circumstances and situations, you don't need to be afraid of that question because God is not afraid of that question. And he wants you to call to him. It's not a, a sign of a lack of faith when you don't understand. You just call to him, God. Show me, talk to me, reveal yourself to me. And, and God is going to give you permission. Listen, God is going to give you permission to do that with him tonight in this very passage. Jeremiah records here in this 33rd chapter, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We, we see that the Lord prefaces this as he tells Jeremiah that, that he can call out to me. He reveals that, that he is the creator God of the universe. And so with that authority as creator God of the universe, he says, ask me anything anything that you want call out unto me and i will show you great and mighty things which you do not know that word for do not know means unsearchable it means something that is inaccessible something that is fortified that you would not be able to discover or find out or wander across or pick up it is something that is locked away and so when we don't understand the will of God, it's locked away. We can't comprehend what's happening. It's locked away from our understanding. And, and he says, call to me. When you don't understand, call to me. And so I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things. He offers this knowledge to Jeremiah. God would share with Jeremiah the things that the prophet didn't know or didn't understand about Israel's future. He says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword, they come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, and all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. They were sieged. The Babylonian uh, army was around them. They were using their swords to try and hack through and break through the, the walls that were surrounding Jerusalem. And, and so they were trying to fortify the wall from the inside of the city. And they supplies that they had were just the buildings that they had so they were dismantling their houses and and using it to fortify they were taking down the the buildings and using those materials to to secure against the babylonians and and god is telling jeremiah tell them to, it's not going to work i have sent them as a judgment for the wickedness and so my judgment uh, will not be abated uh, here. And the reason that I am judging them is for the, the wickedness. 
It is for the wickedness that he is bringing the judgment. Verse six, behold, I will bring it health and healing and I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And so after the judgment, there is going to be a time of health. There is going to be a time of restoration. There is going to be a, a time of healing. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return. Notice how God is declaring they are going to be captives. They, they are going into captivity. But afterwards, I will allow the captives now to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. And then they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide uh, for it. And so here we see that the judgment is only going to be temporary and that is the, the message now that Jeremiah is to give. And he says that, that there are going to be blessings uh, here. The first blessing is, is that the land is going to be restored, that God is going to bring back both Judah and Israel from captivity. Second, we see the blessing involves the restoration to the Lord. He's going to cleanse them of their sin. He's going to forgive them of their sin. How glorious it is when our sins are forgiven us. Amen. When we are washed and cleansed and right before God, when we have confessed and repented and received that forgiveness and there is that reestablishment of intimacy and fellowship and communion and closeness with the Lord, what a great blessing that is. And then third, we see that the nation is going to be exalted to a special place of honor, that Jerusalem is going to be renowned, that it is going to be filled with joy and praise and honor honor to God before all the nations. And thus says the Lord, verse 10 again, there shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate without man and without beast in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endures how long? And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, uh, says the Lord. And so we see that now Jeremiah illustrates the, the joy here uh, of the city when gladness is going to return to Jerusalem and to Judah. And, and so though the streets will be desolate, though they will be inhabited by beasts, that is not the permanent future of, of Israel and of Jerusalem. And thus says the Lord of hosts, in this place which is desolate without man and without beast and in all its cities there shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down in the cities of the mountains in the cities of the lowland in the cities of the south in the land of benjamin in the places around jerusalem and in the cities of judah the flocks shall again pass under the hands of him who counts them says the lord 
And so we see now illustrated the peace and the prosperity that the, the flocks and the shepherds are going to return and, and once again they are going to pass uh, underneath the hands of the shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd. We pass underneath his hand. He watches over, he protects, he leads, he guides, he loves. He is the good shepherd. Amen? And so here we see that once again the flock of the nation of Israel will be underneath the good shepherd. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And in those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. The branch of righteousness is none other than Jesus Christ. He is that branch. He is that good shepherd. And so I will cause to grow up to David a, a branch of righteousness, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the whole earth. So it's not just going to be judgment and, and righteousness in Israel or in Jerusalem, but here we see it as the universal rule of the son of David. He is going to execute righteousness in all of the earth. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And so the city of Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt as a holy city that will never again be destroyed. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel nor shall the priests, the Levites, lack a man to offer burnt offerings before me to kindle grain offerings and to sacrifice and continually. We see here that, uh, that God didn't promise an unbroken monarchy, but an unbroken line of descendants from David uh, to the Messiah that there would be a, a lineage, an unbroken lineage uh, from David uh, all the way through to the Messiah. One of the great challenges today in the nation of Israel is they are waiting for the Messiah. But the problem is, is that when the temple was destroyed in AD 70, all the genealogies were destroyed. And so if someone was to profess themselves to be the Messiah, then of course the first thing that they would want to see is, are you the son of David? Are you from the lineage of David? And there is no way to prove that you are from the house of David. But what is interesting is notice how in the Gospels we have the genealogies of Jesus Christ that were recorded and that these were now copied and protected before AD 70, showing that Jesus Jesus Christ, the genealogy qualifies him as the son of David, someone that nobody today can demonstrate and prove. So when you wonder when you're reading those genealogies in the beginning of the Gospels like these names and begot, so and so and begot, let's skip this part and get to the good stuff, you know. I want you to know that is the good stuff. That is the fulfillment of the scriptures that identifies Jesus Christ as the son of David. 
And so here we see that he promises that, that the nation of Israel is going to have a Messiah that is going to come through the seed of David and, and also the, the Levites. The promise here is, is that the Levitical priesthood, though it would go into captivity, the Levitical priesthood would not be extinguished. And, and so the, the promise of both of those we see in the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, verse 19, saying, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, with day and night, my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign upon the throne, on his throne. And with the Levites, not the priests, nor the priests, my ministers, uh, as the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. And so the promise here that God is giving, God said it is an absolute sure promise. He says the covenant that I made, that day and night would now be separated from one another. We find it back in Genesis chapter one. He says if that covenant can be broken, if there's no longer day and night when the earth stops its rotation and we stop having the sun, give its light in the morning and the moon by night. He says, then my covenant can be broken. He says, but that is an impossibility here. And so, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, have you not considered what these people have spoken? Saying, the two families which the Lord has chosen, he has also cast them off, and thus they have despised my people as if they should no more be a nation before them. We see that the concern was that the nation's sin had invalidated the covenant that God had made with them, that, that they were now going to be discarded by God and cast uh, off. And, and so here we see that Jeremiah is once again being told by God to reassure them that his covenant is absolutely sure. Because his covenant is not dependent upon their obedience, but the covenant is based upon the character of God. And God's character is unchanging. It is unfailing. And so the covenant is established in the word of God, not in the obedience of man. Verse 25, thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captives to return and will have mercy on them. And so we see here that, uh, that his covenant, unchanging, only if the natural laws could be undone, would God reject Jacob's and David's descendants. Chapter 34, we're going to see that Zedekiah now is warned by God. It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, all the kingdoms of the earth under his division, and all the people fought against Jerusalem and all its cities, saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, 
Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, thus says the Lord, behold, I give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And you shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon, and he shall speak with you face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. So one thing Zedekiah didn't desire is face to face with King Nebuchadnezzar. Because if you're face to face with King Nebuchadnezzar and he's the advancing army, it means that you've been taken into captivity. And so here we see that Jeremiah is being told to, to tell King Zedekiah that your resistance to the Babylonian army is futile. You will stand before the king of Babylon. You will see him face to face and you will be deported and you will go to Babylon. Every single thing that Jeremiah predicted came to pass. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus says the Lord concerning you, you shall not die by the sword. You shall die in peace. As in the ceremonies of your fathers, the former kings who were before you, and so they shall burn incense for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, says the Lord. And so even in the midst of the judgment of the nation of Israel and that Jerusalem is going to fall, he says that you are not going to be cut down by the sword. You are going to be taken into captivity, but you will die in peace and you will be mourned and you will be buried properly when you go into captivity and, and they will burn incense and they will honor you, Zedekiah. And then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Zedekiah, king of Judah in Jerusalem. When the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah that were left against Lachish and Azekah, for only these fortified cities remained of the cities of Judah. So as the Babylonian army approached, they destroyed all of the fortified cities. There now were only two fortified cities in Jerusalem left. And this is the time stamp now when Jeremiah goes again to Zedekiah and tells him what the result of the advance of the Babylonian army is going to be. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them, that every man should set free his male and female slave, a Hebrew man or woman, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. And now when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free his male and female slaves that no one should keep them in bondage anymore they obeyed and let them go but afterward they changed their minds and made the male and female slaves return whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves and so there was this reversal there there had been this Deliverance now, this setting free of, uh, of everybody. The Babylonian army is, is now has them under siege. And, and so there is this liberty that is uh, proclaimed. And 
and everybody let everybody that was in bondage go. You will remember that every seven years they were to be let out of their bondage, out of their contracts. When the the they were allowed to sell themselves into indenture. If you owed somebody uh, a debt and you couldn't pay them, then you became their employee for a, a period of years. And every seventh year, uh, all of them were then set free. There was a, a reset of the debts and uh, and of the structures. And so uh, here now with the Babylonians coming to them and, and sieging them, there was uh, now this uh, freedom that was proclaimed that all the debts are canceled uh, and now they were to be let go. And so they let them go. But, but then what happened is, is that the Egyptian army begins to approach. And so the Babylonian army ends the siege and, and they depart now to go and to fight against the Egyptian army uh, that is now coming. So once the Babylonians uh, uh, now had departed from the siege, then the, 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 they said, oh, just kidding, everybody back into bondage again now. And they took everybody and put them back into bondage bondage uh, once the the siege uh, now had departed and and so therefore the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying thus says the Lord the God of Israel I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage saying at the end of seven years let every man set free his Hebrew brother who has been sold to him and when he has served you six years, you shall let him go free from you. But your fathers did not obey me nor incline their ear. And then you recently turned and did what was right in my sight. Every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor and you made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name. And then you turned around and profaned my name and every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. And, and so they had made a covenant before God there in the temple. And now they broke that, that covenant the minute that the siege uh, had departed uh, from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and every one to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword, to pestilence, and to famine. And I will deliver you to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in two and pass between the parts of it. The princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf. And I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life. Their dead bodies shall be for meat for the birds of the heaven and the beasts uh, of the earth. And, and so when you establish a covenant before God, you would mm, take a calf and you would mm, cut it in half. And then you and the party that was making the covenant, the two of you would pass between that calf. And, and what you were saying is if I break this covenant, may, may, may you do to me what, what happened to this calf. May you be sawn in half. May you be cut into two. It was a, a serious promise. It doesn't get any more serious than that. It is a lot serious than cross my heart and hope to die and stick a needle in my eye it was cut you in half that's a lot worse than a 
poke with a hot stick. And so uh, here we see that, that they had made that covenant. Now you remember when, uh, when God made the covenant with Abraham. You remember how God himself was the one that passed through that, that lantern that passed uh, uh, through. It was, a, uh, it was a covenant that, that God made with Abraham. Unilateral. God making the covenant. It cannot be broken. Why? Because God will never break his covenant. Because God will never break his word. And so they had now gone to the temple. They had made a covenant uh, with God that they were going to set all the captives free. And they set them all free. And then uh, they recanted on it. And God says, you do not recant on your promise. And because of that, you now are going to be judged. He says, because you set them free and, and took their freedom back, I'm setting you free. And, and what he's saying is, I'm setting you free from my protection. And now I am removing my protection and you are going to now experience judgment from the Babylonian army when they break through the siege wall. And I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, these princes into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life and into the hand of the king of the Babylonian army, of Babylon's army, which has gone back from you. And behold, I will command, says the Lord, and cause them to return to this city and they will fight against it and take it and burn it with fire. And I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. And so here we see that, uh, that the, the leaders of the nation should have been godly leaders. But instead we see now how quick they were to turn back even on their own promise that was made before God. I will command and cause them to return to this city. After the Babylonians had dealt with the Egyptians, they did, in fact, return and finish the siege uh, upon Jerusalem, just exactly as Jeremiah had declared. And so we, we see the setting free, the liberty that is um, to be proclaimed. And when Jesus Christ uh, came, he brought liberty to each and every one of us. We had been in the bondage of death, been in the bondage now of sin and in our lives, and, and the Son set us free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so this incredible liberty, this life in the Spirit that, that we now have, we have it because Jesus paid it, what? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, all to him I owe. And so it is the joy of the communion table that we come to celebrate, the joy of being able to come and to sing our praises, to give our worship, to be able to commit our hearts to the Lord, to focus ourselves rightly upon him that, that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus told us to, to remember the sacrifice that, that he gave, that he purchased that freedom that we have, but he, he purchased it now with his own life and with his shed blood. That what? That you would know how much you're loved. Not that you would feel guilty, but that he would demonstrate that I'm giving you a gift that is the most costly gift that, that there is. There isn't, there isn't another way greater 
to be able to express how much you are loved than someone who is willing to lay their life down to save your life, to rescue you. And, and that's what Jesus wants you to know every single day. I love you, I love you, I love you. The cross, that's where Jesus demonstrated his love for you. That for the joy that was set before him, he willingly endured that cross. And you, you, are the joy that was set before Jesus. His love for you is what held him on the cross. Those nails didn't hold him on the cross. His love for you held him on the cross. And so I want to invite the communion elements to be passed out, the ushers to come. I want to invite water within to come back up here. And as the communion elements are passed out, I want us to just reflect upon the goodness of the Lord. I want us to reflect on how much Jesus loves you and how Jesus did, in fact, pay it all. Can you guys sing that song once again for us? Jesus paid it all. And as we pass the communion elements, let's just meditate on, on that aspect of what Jesus paid for each and every one of us.
Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, broken, gave it to the disciples. He said, take ye, this is my body. Let's partake of the body of Christ. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's partake of the cup. Heavenly Father, how can we begin to even express in words the deepest gratitude of our heart for your rescuing us? You created us to be in fellowship with you, and we broke that fellowship with sin. And you restored that fellowship by saving us, by sending your Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whomsoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life, that we would spend eternity with you in your presence. And Jesus, how do we begin to say thank you to you for going on that mission trip that cost you your life to leave your glory in heaven, to come down to this sin-ridden world, to live the perfect life that we were incapable of and then to offer yourself up as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You rescued us. You paid it all. And all to you, I owe. I owe my allegiance. I owe my love. I owe my life to the one who saved me and paid it all. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.